Welcome to the Herbal Womb Wisdom Podcast, where we explore the embodied practice of herbalism with the womb at the center for folks who are new to herbs or herbalists in the making. This is a place to become empowered to include herbs and natural therapies in your personal health and, most importantly, to reconnect to the deep wisdom and healing capacity of your own body and the earth. I'm your host, clinical herbalist and integrative health educator, Kailea Honeybee. Let's dive in. Hello, beautiful friends. So happy to be with you here today. Welcome back if you're returning and welcome, welcome if you're new. So happy to have you here. Uh, it is winter, isn't it? And it's almost in bulk. It's almost in bulk, which is that time exactly in the center between, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, the winter solstice and the spring equinox. So we're almost equidistant. Later this week, we'll be equidistant between the two, meaning that we're on the verge. You know, it's like we can start to see, I don't know if you're noticing it, but we can start to see the light really, really returning and almost get a sense that especially here in the Northlands, like under the snowpack, deep in the ground, there's almost the murmur of the seeds that are just almost dreaming themselves, dreaming what is possible for themselves this year. That's how I like to think about it. Obviously, that's a creative way to think about it, kind of like the stirring of the seeds. But it's the way that I like to think about it because it really is if we tune in to the seasons and the cycles, which are absolutely a part of our own bodies too. I mean, we are of the earth as humans here. So if we tune into that kind of sensing, of course, if you're in a more southern latitude, even in the northern hemisphere, you might even actually see some glimpses of spring coming. (laughs) Here in the Northlands, it'll be a while before we start to see the green popping up. But for now, we can kind of envision the seeds stirring. And And when we kind of get into that energy, it's actually like a perfect time to be allowing our own dreams and our own visions to be stirring for this year, for this coming year. So that's really what I'm kind of tuned into at the moment. It just feels like the right time to be allowing those dreams to set foot, you know, to start to find little tendrils, little root tendrils that are entering into the ground, starting to find their way to footing. So I feel all the possibility. I feel that light coming in. And I'm wondering if you do too. I hope that you are feeling that too. I hope that you're experiencing some of your visions and dreams starting to stir. And oh, before we dive into the topic today, which is going to be all about a pretty incredible herb named Vitex. If you don't know Vitex yet, Vitex or Chaste Tree Berry is probably one of the most popular herbs for that is worked with for hormonal health, at least for the female or ovarian and generative system that's out there, honestly, for hormonal health. Vitex is pretty commonly worked with. So we're going to get into all about Vitex today. It'll be a nice herbal spotlight. But before we do that, I'm very excited to share that there is an opportunity to one opportunity to learn with me and to learn with a bunch of other really incredible teachers. Actually, some a couple of teachers that I have admired for over a decade, like 15 plus years, (laughs) because they're really elders in the field of pelvic health and womb wisdom and just like embodiment of these bodies with cycles and wombs and womb spaces. So Rosita Arvigo will be there and Elisa Starkweather will be there. And you'll probably remember Julia, who did the vaginal steaming episode, the vaginal steaming interview, and then Hialeah, who did the softening of the pelvis, the importance of the softening in the pelvis episode. So all of us will be there at this virtual retreat. Essentially, it's called the summit. It's called the Sacred Pelvic Health Summit. But it's honestly like a retreat. It's like there's three days of each day. There's several speakers and it's like five hours-ish of live time with the speakers. And then so that's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It's at the end of March on a weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And right now, it's an early bird sale, only until Saturday, this Saturday. So if you're listening to this later, it's not going to mean anything to you. But for right now, there actually is an early bird sale until February 4th, which is Saturday. 
And you can access that early bird sale with the discount code EARLYBIRD, all in capitals. And if you want the link to get to that, then go to the description on this podcast or the show notes page, which is herbalwomb.com forward slash episode 54. Herbalwomb.com forward slash episode 54 is where you can find it. So you can read all about it. Check out the link there to get to learn about it. And yeah, you can get $37 off by this Saturday. So I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be an amazing space actually to learn from like a variety of different people. It's not just us. There's also going to be some people who are more oriented towards like sexual empowerment and deeply connecting with the pelvis in a variety of ways from an embodiment place, somatic awareness place. And I just think there's going to be a lot of really interesting experiential opportunities and a lot of deep, good learning for you. So yeah, I encourage you to check it out. Even if you don't think you're interested, just check it out. I mean, just to see. Because this week, you will get a discount if you do choose to do it. And again, you can find the links for that. Either if you are on a podcast app, you can just look in the description of this episode and you can find a link to it. Or you can go to the show notes page at herbalwomb.com forward slash episode 54. Herbalwomb.com forward slash episode 54. And you can scroll down and find the link to it. Okay, so on to our topic for today, although first we have to do the disclaimer that absolutely nothing that I share is medical advice ever. I'm an herbalist. I'm an integrative health educator. I'm here to offer you information and education and resources for you to do your own research and to feel into your own body, to feel what's real and true and right for you. That is so important. It's always most important. And honestly, like whenever, especially when I'm talking about like single herbs like Vitex or like Shizandra or like Motherwort or like all the herbs that I've done herbal spotlights on so far, it's always very much about like who are you as an individual, as we'll hear in this episode in the actual going into the details of the plan. It really is about like who are you what is going on in your body and how does this plant seem like it might be a match or not? And you always need to listen. Like I always think about when you're starting with a new plant, like start low and go slow. It's not like a dangerous, they're not dangerous or anything, but just to get a sense of like, how does this plant interact with your body? Okay. So then there's that. And yeah, I think we're ready to dive into the content for today. All about Vitex. Vitex. Chaste tree berry. Other common names are lilac chaste tree. Monk's pepper is a historical name for Vitex. Abraham's balm and just Agnes castus. So Vitex Agnes castus is the scientific name of Vitex. I usually just call it Vitex. I think in the more clinical herbal world, that's often the term that's used, but you'll also absolutely many times see chaste tree berry. Like if you're at a health food store or somewhere where there's tinctures, it might be labeled Chase Treeberry. But you're always going to look for the scientific name Vitex agnus castus because there are other species in the Vitex genus, right? So there's, if you remember back, I don't remember, I think it was way, way early on in this podcast, I talked about scientific names. And so there's the genus name, which is that first name, Vitex, and then there's the species name, which is Agnes castus. So there can be all different plants that are within the genus. They're all related to each other. It's a family, essentially. Like when we're talking about the scientific name, we're talking about the relationships that that plant has to other plants. Okay, so interestingly, in terms of the scientific name being Agnes castus. The term Agnes actually derives from a different spelling of the word Agnes, meaning pure or chaste. All right. And we're going to talk about why that seems to have come about historically in a little bit, but it's interesting. I, I always think it's interesting. Not all scientific names tell us about the plant, but sometimes they do. And I always think it's interesting to learn about, well, where is the etymology? Where where did these words come from? And Vitax is in the Lamiaceae or the mint family. But in a lot of texts, like herbal texts, you'll see that it used to be in the Verm- Verbaniaceae family, which is the Vervain family. So that has changed in the more recent years. And you know, I really like to give you the updated information on the plants in the moment, right? So Lamiaceae or mint plant family is what Vitex is now considered to be a part of. 
So have you seen Vitex before? Do you know this plant? Do you know Vitex? Vitex is actually a really common landscaping plant or tree. It's kind of like a, a shrub or a small tree that can actually grow if it's in the right climate and it can actually grow up to 15 or 20 feet. But if it's pruned, it'll become more bushy and it just depends on the ecology and the zone and the climate where it is. So it can actually grow anywhere between zones, say, 5 and 12, which is like a huge swath. (laughs) If you know gardening zones, that's a huge swath. Like it's many different climates. But it's most happy in like a six to nine gardening zone range. So it can tolerate, can tolerate down to like negative nine degrees Fahrenheit, but in that case would have to be cut back and mulched really heavily to kind of survive that winter. So in a place like zone five, like for instance, in the Northlands here, if you're closer to the coast, you might be able to grow Vitex and just really mulch it heavily. Or if you're in other Southern New England states or in colder climates, you might be able to do that. But in general, Vitex is happiest in zone six to nine and is native to Mediterranean regions. So Southern Europe, Mediterranean, Middle East, Mediterranean, maybe even some places in Asia. But that sort of climate, actually Vitex does pretty well in. And so you'll actually see Vitex as a landscaping plant in places like New Mexico or Southern California, places like that. I know in New Mexico, there's a lot of Vitex. It was interesting when I started to learn more about Vitex and actually learn about like, what does Vitex look like and how does it grow? I went back to visit my family in New Mexico and I was walking around the streets of Albuquerque and I was like, Vitex is everywhere. It's like a really common landscaping plant. They have it just like all, like in town area and around parking lots. <laughs> it's actually just a really common plant there as a small tree, as a small tree or a bushy tree. And then you can find, of course, you can grow Vitex in a variety of different climates, not just dry areas, but it is drought tolerant, which is really lovely. Of course, in Mediterranean climates, they have the rainy season and then they have the drought season when it's warmer and it's drier. So can tolerate drought, but does like some moisture, doesn't want to be completely without water, but can definitely tolerate some grad drought. I did grow Vitex for years, and actually I got to see that plant again when I went out to visit California this past fall. I got to see the plant again at the house where I used to live. I was growing it in a container. So you can actually grow as long as you have a big enough container. I mean, you want to, you know, continue to increase the gallons of that container as Vitex got larger. But is a really beautiful plant that you don't necessarily even need like a yard to grow. You're just going to need a big pot with good soil and you can grow Vitex as long as you have a sunny place. Vitex really likes sun. So full sun type of situations, maybe part sun in some of the hotter climates, but definitely like a full sun, doesn't mind getting dried out. Continue, will continue to get a little bit larger and will continue to flower, has these beautiful spikes of purple flowers. If you've ever seen Vitex, you will know what I'm talking about. And of course, on the show notes page, herbalwomb.com forward slash episode 54, I will have pictures of Vitex for you to check out. But beautiful flowers, the spike of purple flowers, really beautiful. And then the leaves are almost this kind of like one of those blue-green leaf type colors. It's not like quite dark green and it's certainly not blue, but that sort of dusky greenish bluish color that some plants have. And those are the leaves and they are almost looked like palms. They almost look like hands. They have like five to seven leaflets in each of their leaves that come out and they're just beautiful. So there are the beautiful leaves and then these gorgeous spikes of purple flowers. So obviously a reason that they are favored as a landscaping plant, really a lovely plant. I highly encourage you to grow Vitex if you would like to, even if you don't think that you're going to work with Vitex as a medicine. So still a really lovely plant to grow and just to be around. And so over time, the Vitex will obviously get bigger and flower more. And then the part that's used medicinally is actually the berries, the ripe berries. So after the flowers are ripe, oh, I will also say that the flowers are incredible pollinator attractors. Like they just bring in the bees and the butterflies. I mean, they really, 
they're like a pol- they're a nectary. Nectary, I think is what it's called. Nectary, <laughs> a kind of plant that really brings in pollinators and so is really beautiful for a garden, especially if you have a need to pollinate things in your garden, which I think most of us would love to have pollinators around. So also serves that purpose, which is great. And if you're like into permaculture, you can work with Bitex as a small tree within a system where you have maybe other things growing around it. So Vitex is just lovely for so, so many reasons. But once the flowers are done, once they're complete, they actually start turning into berries, which are basically look like seeds. They're these dark blackish, they're kind of like black reddish, but mostly black berries and those berries have this kind of light brown encasing around them there's it's sort of dried up and then once they get to that ripen stage that's when you harvest them and that's when you can make medicine from them and you can either make tinctures with them or you can work with them dry and just grind them up and include them in however you would like to use them if that's in capsules or if that's actually just putting them into things, you know, you can, you can't, they're not super tasty. I am going to speak a little bit about that. I guess I can speak about that now. It's like kind of an acrid taste. Like I remember when I first tried Vitex, gosh, it was a long, long time ago. I didn't know anything. It was It's so funny because I was like, oh, okay, I need to try because I was learning about dosing of Vitex. And I learned about how very commonly, at least clinically, especially in Europe, but in some clinical practices, people would use a high dose in the morning and just one dose for the whole day. That is like one of the ways. I'm not going to get into dosing of Vitex in this in this actual episode. It's a little bit more complicated, but suffice it to say, there's one way to do it where you have this higher dose in the morning and you just take one dose a day. And so I tried that <laughs> and I didn't know what to expect. And this is early on in my herbal days. And I just like put that huge dose in and then I tried to drink it with a little water and I was like, wow, (laughs) like it's like acrid. It's like doesn't taste great. And I don't know if I was just expecting it to taste better because I was thinking, oh, this is a great plant for us. And anyway, doesn't have that great of a taste. So it's a little acrid. So it's not like something you want to sprinkle on your oats (laughs) like you might with other powders, but it is something that you can work with in a powder. Some people do use the berries, the dried berries, and put them into a pepper grinder and then just sprinkle them, you know, grind them onto food. And I could see that it's a little spicy and acrid. You could put it into savory food. Like I personally would probably just choose to tincture it just because it's easier to take that way. But you do you. And okay, so energetics, right? So we're talking about the taste being acrid and it being slightly spicy in some way. And so the energetics are actually warming and drying warming and drying. And so if you were to work with this and you thought that you were somebody who is warm and dry, you could add more moistening plants to kind of balance out that formula for yourself. You might need to do that. And, you know, so it's always important to think about the energetics and then think about your own body and think about, you know, the formulation that you're creating. Okay. And like I said before, parts used, I think that's pretty clear, berries and seeds, the ripe berries and seeds that are those dried berries and seeds. Okay, actions. So Vitex is really specific in a lot of ways to hormonal health, especially for those of us with wombs, with ovaries, with estrogen and progesterone and prolactin and these hormones as primary actors on our system, especially in our cycling years. But actually, Vitex can be worked with throughout, even postmenopause can be supportive potentially. All right, so actions are, number one, hormonal balancing. And David Hoffman actually also calls Vitex a hormonal amphoteric. This is a question. Now, if you remember, I've talked about amphoterics before, but amphoterics basically will like balance out a system. So they'll either increase the function of something to kind of normalize it, or they'll decrease the function of something to kind of normalize it to that level. There is a way that Vitex does is kind of paradoxical, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. It's not totally known how Vitex is always working, but I will say that there are some people where Vitex just does not seem to be a good match in, so I'm not sure that I would call Vitex a hormonal amphoteric, but definitely has hormonal balancing potential for particular people, and we'll talk about what those specifics are very soon. 
Vitex is both considered an anaphrodisiac, meaning that it will calm the sexual libido down, and an aphrodisiac, meaning that will it will increase libido. So here's an example of where it's acting in paradoxical ways. Paradoxical meaning like very conflicting kind of opposite directions. And then Vitex has also been historically worked with as a galactagogue, which is encouraging milk production for lactation. But you'll also hear in a little bit how Vitex will also decrease milk production. So may not be the best choice for a galactagogue. There are other herbs that could potentially be better, more easeful choices as a galactagogue. Also as a fertility aid over time, Vitex has supported as a carminative. Actually, Vitex has a little bit of capacity to calm spasms in the gut, in the digestive tract. As an amenagogue, Vitex has been worked with as an amenagogue to encourage bleeding, but also Honestly, just to bring, I would say even just to bring cycles back is how Vitex has been worked with and will definitely shift around or has the potential to shift around the length of cycles. And so definitely is working within that hormonal system to kind of shift things around and can encourage bleeding to return when it is gone. That is definitely a thing. And also historically was worked with to help encourage the expulsion of the placenta after the babe had been born at the birth time. This is not a way like at least in modern midwifery when I studied it, home birth midwifery, which we studied a lot of herbs in. I don't remember Vitex ever being mentioned there, but this is something that historically seems to have been a way that Vitex was used. And maybe that's something to try if needed. But generally, the placenta kind of comes on its own. (laughs) So you can sort of wait for it to happen. And if needed, there might be other herbs that are better. However, I will just say that historically, that was true. There's a question and a consideration that Vitex might be phytoestrogenic, meaning that it might bind to estrogen receptors in the body to encourage the kind of estrogen response in the body. So that can be supportive in the perimenopausal or postmenopausal years potentially. And definitely Vitex has been worked with as a diaphoretic, meaning helping to sweat, especially within fever conditions, and also a diuretic because diaphoretics are often diuretic when they're taken cool. So a diaphoretic is often taken, what diaphoretic meaning encouraging sweat is often taken in a hot tea or a form that is heating. And then the diuretic is often taken in a cool, maybe room temperature or cold infusion or something like that. And that can help movement of fluids through the urinary tract. Okay. And so more scientific actions, like things that have been learned about in the last hundred years or so, is that Vitex is considered to be indirectly progesterogenic, meaning that Vitex has the capacity to increase progesterone, but not because it has progesterone in it, because of the way that it acts in the body, which we'll talk about. Also, Vitex is a prolactin inhibitor, and we'll talk about that. Also, a dopamine agonist, which means encouraging dopamine response, and we will talk about that as well in a little bit. But first, let's talk about historical uses. So interestingly, Vitex is one of those plants that has been, there is record of being worked with in Western traditions, in the Middle East, I'm assuming also in places like Northern Africa and maybe even in Asia, but at least what we know in ancient Greece and in Persian medicine for at least 2,500 years. Like Vitex was included in like the Hippocrates times and Dioscorides and like these very ancient medicine people, really. So I think maybe they were considered to be doctors. I don't know what their term was, but basically the people who were working with herbs to encourage health in people's lives were working with Vitex. And so back in that like 2,500 year ago time range, Vitex was often used to encourage sweating, like I said, to support the uterus when inflamed, which is kind of interesting to think about. Like what is your uterus doing when it's inflamed, right? So we'll talk about kind of like modern uses and we can kind of look at that. Encouraging milk production and lactation, reducing in quotes insanity and madness. Okay, so like insanity and madness, very interesting. We're going to talk about a little bit of that in a bit to promote menstruation. Like I mentioned, that's absolutely a way that Vitex will work, and it's more like to bring the cycle back. 
reducing fever and reducing headaches too, which is neat. And then over the years, it's remained widely used in folk traditions. Actually, something that I found interesting is that Vitex really wasn't super popular in clinical practice until about 100 years ago in like the wider range of herbalists. Like it was, I believe, used, but not extensively. Like it really remained more actively worked with in folk traditions over the eons <laughs> since like the ancient times and wasn't as commonly worked with at like a clinical level by doctors until about 100 years ago when it started to be studied more. So it's kind of interesting because it has so much potential effect. And I'm kind of like, well, I wonder, did some of that use sort of disappear in a time when a lot of medicine people working with gynecologic health might have disappeared, right? So that's something to consider. I have no idea. That's just a theory I have, something to consider. So also, chasteberry or monk's pepper is what Vitex was also called, as I mentioned. And that refers to the use by monks, the historical use by monks, to reduce libido. But it's totally unclear on how this was done, because it does seem that sometimes it has an aphrodisiac effect for some people. So it may have something to do with like ovarian hormones versus testicular hormones. This is unknown. But it also may have to do with dosing, like the amount that a person is having. And maybe that has some effect of whether it's an anaphrodisiac, meaning lowering libido, or an aphrodisiac, meaning raising libido. And in Rome, like ancient Rome, virgins would carry twigs of vitex as symbols of chastity, right? So like chase tree berry, that concept has been around for a long time. And part of it is that it had a symbolic energy of virginity, of being pure. And then, like I said, really it's just been the last hundred years that has come into more frequent clinical use by herbalists and hormonal health practitioners and really has become a staple herb. Like if you were to Google hormonal health and herbs, I promise you, you will see Vitax within like the top five plants in probably almost every single article, if not every single article that has to do with herbs and hormonal health because Vitex is such a staple now in clinical practice because there's so much effect, like really, like it's truly clinical effect is real with Vitex. So, and it's not right for everyone. It's not right for everyone. So we're going to clear that up. Okay, so like I just said, it's not right for everyone. So when is Vitex helpful? When might you consider incorporating Vitex into your formulations or into your life? Well, there are a lot of reasons. There are a lot of times that Vitex may be a beautiful herbal ally for you. First, let's talk about hormonal regulation, just in general hormonal regulation. So Vitex has been worked with in PMS in, and actually has been studied extensively for PMS and PMDD and everything from the irritability, the depression, the anxiety, the psychological symptoms, all the way to the physical symptoms and has been shown to be just as effective at times, just as effective as antidepressants and potentially just as effective as other remedies things like B6 even, which is a super common supplement that is worked with for PMS. I mean, honestly, when I think about it, I'm like, okay, well, if you're having PMS or PMDD, you could be exploring B vitamins and Vitex, right? <laughs> There's an opportunity to work with both. You don't have to do either or. But yeah, I mean, Vitex has the potential to be incredibly effective for PMS and PMDD in some people. Mild, moderate, and severe. PMS and PMDD has shown to be effective. And especially when symptoms disappear at menses, right? So if this is something that just continues on throughout your month, throughout your period, throughout the time that you're menstruating, might not be the right approach for you, might not be the right herb for you. But if you have mild, moderate, or severe PMS or PMDD that disappears at menses, it may be something to explore. Symptoms that seem to be the most impacted, like the most helped, are physical symptoms. Things like bloating, things like breast or chest tenderness, things like headaches, 
even constipation seem to be really it seems to be really helpful, but also has been shown to be supportive for things like irritability, depressed mood, anger, mood swings, all of those things. So something to definitely explore and try. Now I will put it out there, and maybe I'll say this later as well in sort of a caution, that there are some people who, and this isn't even really in the literature. It's something that I had, I know from personal, not my own personal experience, but from hearing when I used to work at the herb shop, hearing some people talking about it. And then also I learned from Aviva Ram, who has also seen this in clinical practice. And let's just say she is one of the people who's probably seen, I mean, she's seen thousands and thousands of clients for hormonal health concerns throughout her career. She's now been a herbalist and now she's a doctor and a midwife for, I think, at least 40 years. It's a long time that she's been doing this work. So she's got a lot of experience is what I'm saying. And she's worked with Vitex extensively. And so she has seen, and I've also heard about this, a few people, kind of like a handful of people where their depression symptoms might actually increase a little bit when they start to use Vitex. And sometimes this is mild and not terrible. And if you kind of work with it for the first few days or week and you can kind of manage it, you're okay with it, then sometimes that will go away and will kind of normalize. But for some people, it can it can actually really be intense depression-wise. And this is often for people who actually have a history of depression. They might not have had, might not have been in a depressive episode when they started Vitex, but they might have a history of depression at some point in their life. And this might be something that aggravates that. And it probably has something to do with the way the hormones are changing and shifting. But for many people, many, 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 many people, this is helpful. So it's just about listening to your own body and listening to your own self and feeling like, does this feel right? If it increases symptoms of depression, it might not be the right herb for you, right? It just might not be the right herb for you. Like I'm saying, Vitex is not right for every single person, but may be supportive for many people. So PMS and PMDD is a huge area where in modern practice, Vitex is worked with very effectively and so is definitely something to explore. It can take three to six months of use to really show effect. It's not something like a lot of times, especially with cyclical, when we're working with menstrual symptoms, when we're working with cycles, often we need to move through because we only have our site, right? Like it's every cycle is usually around a month. Maybe it's a little less, maybe it's a little more, but going through at least three cycles to really see if there's a change that's starting and then, you know, may even take up to six months and you might even have to work with Vitex for a longer period of time to really encourage more optimal functioning. But yeah, so it could take a little bit longer, but definitely is something for PMS and PMDD. Also can be incredibly supportive for luteal phase imbalances, right? So if you're tracking your cycle, and if you're not, you can go get a tracker at herbalwomb.com forward slash track your cycle and you can learn about it. But your luteal phase is that time after ovulation until you menstruate, right? So that's the second half of your cycle. And so luteal phase imbalances are things that occur within that second half of your cycle. And that often has to do with the hormone progesterone maybe being deficient. So maybe not having enough of progesterone. And what's really incredible about Vitex, it has this potential, not directly, but indirectly to increase progesterone levels. And so that can actually help with symptoms that otherwise worsen premenstrually, even things like acne, even things like herpes lesions. If you have a tendency towards that, anything like breast or chest soreness or lumpiness or pain. So the fibrocystic breast or chest nostalgia or pain or achiness that can happen. And then Vitex is also known to lower hyperprolactinemia. So actually Vitex has been known to lower prolactin, which is often lower when progesterone is higher. I know I'm using a lot of these hormone terms and it may or may not mean anything to you, but just know, I mean, you may be somebody who you've been diagnosed with certain things. Higher levels of prolactin can actually be part of the picture when there is a low progesterone. And if you think about it, or if you know about the menstrual cycle and the hormones, when we have low progesterone, we might see symptoms of 
high estrogen, even if our estrogen isn't that high, we may see symptoms of what is commonly referred to as estrogen dominance just because our our progesterone is low. And so all of these hormones are basically working together. And so suffice it to, t- to say that Vitex has the ability to lower prolactin, to increase progesterone, which might decrease some of the high estrogen symptoms if the cause of those symptoms is low progesterone. Okay. So this is sort of like, we're talking about the luteal phase. We're talking about the whole cycle. We're talking about the luteal phase, that second half of the cycle. And we're talking about kind of normalizing and normalizing the dynamic dance of hormones. That's what we love to talk about, right? The dynamic dance of hormones where the progesterone is at a optimal level so that we can have the benefits of progesterone. And then we're also lowering either lowering the estrogen or just the estrogen might stay the same, but we're not seeing the symptoms as much. And then we're lowering the prolactin, which sometimes has a has a part to play in something like that breast or chest tenderness. It may also have a part to play in various other hormonal imbalance situations. So that's important. Also, like I said before, Vitex has very commonly and continues to very commonly be worked with when there is amenorrhea, meaning a lack of a menstrual cycle, or oligomenorrhea, meaning very few, like there's long periods of time in between cycles, or even polymenorrhea, meaning when there's like shorter cycles. So basically, when there are irregular cycles, Vitex may be an ally. Now, I'm also going to put a caution here that sometimes when people start Vitex, the first cycle or couple of cycles might get wonky. Like you might have a short cycle or a long cycle. Like this is hormones are kind of happening. And so you might need to just kind of ride that wave for, you know, one, two, three cycles before you see them actually normalizing. That is a thing. It happens to some people, certainly not to everyone. But essentially, working with Vitex may have the capacity to kind of normalize the dynamic dance of hormones in your body to an extent where you do start to cycle again. So this can happen sometimes perimenopausally. This is a common time where people will work with Vitex and it can be very helpful to help people kind of bring their cycle back at least a little bit so that they can reduce some of the symptoms that they're experiencing before, you know, menopause really happens. So perimenopausally, that can be really helpful. It can be helpful for people in their cycling years. This is why, this is part of the reason, part of the reason that Vitex has worked with to cultivate fertility is actually helping the cycle come back so that you're ovulating. Actually, like Vitex has been worked with quite often from the perspective of encouraging ovulation to happen, ovulation and then progesterone levels to be higher. So encouraging the corpus luteum to be more healthy, to encourage ovulation, to encourage a healthy luteal phase and the healthy progesterone levels to decrease the prolactin, like all of these things, Vitex seems to play a role in. Now, what they're saying, what, you know, when you look at the science is basically saying that all of this is happening, not because Vitex is in there tweaking and putting keys into holes, but actually that Vitex is working on a level of the brain often. So actually working at what is called the HPO level, the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian level, And a lot of times these symptoms can actually get worse with stress and Vitex can be helpful in those cases, especially it seems like. So working at that level, at that level of the brain chemistry, essentially, Vitex can encourage some of these more healthy hormonal dances happening in the body, helping the cycle to return, you know, calling the cycle back in with Vitex for some people can be really helpful. All right. And then dysmenorrhea, even painful menstruation, Vitex has been worked with commonly. So this is not always the best way to work with it, but absolutely is a possibility. Dysmenorrhea, when you include it with other antispasmodics, whether that is things like cramp bark or that is things like a ginger or that is things like motherwort, like wherever you're going with your formulation, Vitex may be something that you work with, especially if when you're thinking about all these different things, if somebody also has, let's say, the sore breast or chest or they've got PMS tension or anxiety or irritability or they've got headaches PMS, you know, premenstrually, these are reasons that you might also be like, oh, well, Vitex might help as well with the painful cramping. Possibly. Now, when I was talking before, remember about the historical uses of Vitex for an irritated or what did it say, inflamed uterus? 
this is historically thousands of years ago. When I think about that, sometimes I think, you know, then I start to think about the idea of, oh, well, we're talking about painful menstruation. But painful menstruation might be happening because a person is not necessarily cycling regularly. Like there could be such a buildup of the endometrial lining, that lining inside the uterus. That can happen when you have longer cycles, when you're not menstruating as much. That can start to happen. It can build up and then that can be more painful when it actually sloughs off the sides of the uterus. And so I'm just like, oh, well, there's ways that, you know, Vitex maybe through regulating the cycle is actually decreasing the pain because it is not necessarily an anti-inflammatory, but actually is just normalizing some of the response of the hormones in the body so that there's not as intense of a release happening. Just some ideas. Okay, so Vitex has also been worked with very commonly for menopausal mood swings, right? So like anytime there are PMS symptoms in the menopausal years, in the perimenopausal or menopausal years, Vitex might be something to explore. Also has been helpful, like I said, with the irregular cycles, perimenopausally. So like as you're kind of nearing menopause and you start to have irregular cycles, which is actually very normal, you can also consider working with Vitex to encourage ovulation. So when you have anovulatory cycles, because, like I was saying before, you build up this lining, which can cause excess bleeding. That in perimenopause is often called menopausal flooding. And so there's ways that Vitex may be able to decrease some of those symptoms. So you might want to explore working with Vitex if you feel like you fit the picture of Vitex. Vitex has also been commonly worked with to help aid the body in returning to cycles post-birth control. Now, I don't think that most of us actually need something to help our cycles come back post-birth control. I think it's really great to give three or six months to your body. You know, maybe you're going to work with dandelion or you're going to work with some supplements to just support yourself, vitamin D and different kinds of supplements, multivitamin, just like stuff that may be nourishing infusions just to support your body to come back into cycling. But oftentimes people will just start cycling within three to six months after they come off birth control, hormonal birth control without any assistance. But if you're not, then Vitex can be an ally here. You know, let's say you've gone six months and you really want to call your cycle back in, then Vitex can be helpful. Or you're thinking of conceiving sooner, you might want to work with Vitex. But it's not absolutely necessary. And like I said, you know, sometimes it can make cycles a little wonky. And that might, so then it might not be the right herb for you. If you notice that Vitex is really like shortening your cycles or really elongating your cycles in a way that doesn't feel right, then Vitex might not be the herb for you. Okay, so Vitex has also and commonly is worked with as a part of a formula for PCOS, especially PCOS with hyperprolactinemia and low progesterone. This is not always the case, and some people do not use Vitex with PCOS, but it specifically can be helpful to improve things like androgen excess, the excess androgens, which might be, you know, facial hair where you don't want it, and it might be losing your hair on your head or places, you know, you're losing your hair where you do want it and you're having hair on your body where you don't want it. That's the concept of like the excess androgens. So Vitex sometimes can be helpful for that with PCOS and obviously can also help call back the cycle with people where that is there. The cause is related to progesterone and prolactin and that sort of thing. Not always the answer with PCOS, but could be part of a formula for some people. Vitex has also been worked with to support decreasing the size of uterine fibroids. That actually commonly will take a long period of time, three to six months or more, a year even, but may also be supportive in the same way for endometriosis to decrease relative estrogen levels, right? If your progesterone is low, then you might be experiencing higher estrogen symptoms. And so your lining might be building up more. You might be experiencing more inflammation, that sort of thing. So then in that case, Vitex may be supportive. Maybe. Possibly Vitex can support with teenage acne. Now, there are warnings out there. I haven't pers- I have to say I haven't personally worked with teens with Vitex. And I really think like our bodies take time. We should not be like just trying to regulate cycles immediately. That's my, this is my perspective. We should not be trying to regulate cycles immediately when 
people are in their teen years. Like just because somebody's cycling and it's irregular, that's totally normal. For like two years, that can be completely normal. There's no reason to be concerned about it. It's just part of, you know, you can work symptomatically, you can support somebody through, you know, dandelion and nourishing infusions and really just encouraging optimal function of their body. But you don't need something like Vitex. You don't need something that's like hormonal or has the potential to like affect the hormones because their system is still in process of developing, figuring itself out, right? So I personally wouldn't choose Vitax in that time. But, you know, maybe later teen years, 19, 20, you know, that, that sort of time period, yeah, like adding in for some acne might be an option. Has also been worked with for those who no longer have ovaries to support hormonal health. So that's kind of interesting. And like I said, helpful in fertility and even supporting early pregnancy. So I will say, especially for those who are prone to miscarriage because of the capacity to increase progesterone levels, Vitex can be very helpful both to support the menstrual cycle, to support ovulation. You know, it can happen, you know, often for at least three cycles you want to be working with it. But When there's a luteal phase deficiency, when you have a shorter luteal phase, when you don't have high enough progesterone level, these are reasons and ways that you might want to, when you're in your fertile years and you're trying to conceive, this might be, and you're maybe prone to miscarriage, you might be working with Vitex. So working definitely during the cycle. And then even if you're prone to miscarriage, some people will work with it in the first trimester. That is something that if you are doing, it is not recommended. And so it's definitely something that you want to be working with a practitioner who maybe your midwife, you know, who is going to work with you and be a part of that. Um, not something to do on your own. Okay. And also, like I said, Vitex can be worked with as a galactagogue. But it's also very confusing because, as I mentioned, Vitex decreases prolactin levels. So it might be dose-dependent, and low doses may be better for increased milk production. Okay, so as you can see, as you can tell by talking about the modern uses and kind of application, you know, clinical application in the past 100 years with Vitex, there are so many reasons that you might want to incorporate or explore incorporating Vitex into your protocol. Anything from PMS to PMDD to sore breast or chest to irregular menstrual cycles to perimenopausal, you know, anovulatory cycles, meaning that they're really elongated to potentially menstrual cramps to potentially fertility support to potentially, you know, different symptoms that you might be experiencing, a shorter luteal phase or low progesterone, or maybe you have estrogen dominance symptoms. Like there are so many reasons. You can go back and listen, but there are so many reasons that you might be like, oh, wow, maybe Vitex is something to try. But like I shared, there are reasons that you might not want to work with Vitex. Number one, You may not want to work with Vitex if when you try, when you start, you have an increased experience of depressive symptoms, right? So that can happen. It's very rare, but it can happen. And so you can just watch for that. If it's uncomfortable, if it's it's more than mild, you may be able to move through it. It can sometimes that lasts like a few days or a week and a lot of people will move through it. If that's not you, it might not be the right ally for you. If you if Vitex causes shorter cycles or too long cycles. Like in some people, for whatever reason, the way that Vitax works in those people, sometimes Vitax is just not regulating their cycles into more of a normal level. That can happen. And so that Vitax just might not be the right ally for you. Vitax may or may not be appropriate for you if you have PCOS. It really depends on the kind of PCOS, like I mentioned. You may not want to work with Vitax when you're lactating, when you are feeding, when you're breast or chest feeding, when you are postpartum, you may or may not want to work with Vitex. Sure, it might be a galactagogue, but it also might decrease prolactin. Also, it might bring back your cycle. And so that might not be something that you want. You most likely do not want to be working with Vitex during pregnancy unless you're working with a midwife or with a trained herbalist and you're only working with and you're having the experience of recurrent miscarriages and you just want to encourage that first trimester kind of continued pregnancy. Now, that is something you absolutely want to work with a practitioner for. I'm not recommending that. Generally, Vitex is contraindicated in pregnancy, meaning that you don't want to work with Vitex in pregnancy. You may or may not want to work with Vitex postmenopausally or perimenopausally. It just kind of depends on what symptoms you're having and what experience you have in your body. So, 
sharing all of that, Vitex is not for everyone. And there are still so, so many applications of Vitex, right? So I just want to go through that. And I know I also talked about a lot of different hormones and that might feel a little confusing. You can always go back and listen again. If things are confusing, you could take notes if you want to. That can be helpful. But honestly, it's all about learning your cycle, learning your rhythms, getting to know your own body and seeing how a plant supports you or how it shifts things and understanding like, does this feel good? Does this feel right? Or does it not? Like that's the kind of main gist of it. Do you have irregular cycles? Do you have PMS? You might try Vitex. Maybe you'd try that in a formula that is specific for you. That's the way that I work as a clinical herbalist. I like to formulate. I like to work with the individual. But Vitex on its own is something that a lot of clinicians will use. Even like naturopaths and functional medicine doctors, a lot of people use Vitex these days. So there's a lot of ways to work with Vitex. Now, before we go, I do want to talk about some of the updated research, scientific research that I found. A lot of it does support the modern uses, and there are a few other things that come through that I want to share about. So like I said before, there's still not a lot known about how Vitex works in the contradictory ways that it works. Because, I mean, in my mind, the intelligence of a plant is not always easy to figure out in the research lab. That's how I see it. You know, but hundreds of studies have been conducted partly because Vitex is so helpful. There have been a lot of studies that have been conducted to explore how it's working. And if any of these that I'm going to talk about interest you, you can go and check out the show notes page. I'm going to have a reference list there. So that'll be at herbalwomb.com forward slash episode 54 that you can go and check out the reference list. You can check out the resources, the articles, and all of the references, the books that I use to reference this episode as well. So one study showed a tripling of breast milk or chest milk within 20 days of working with it. It was a very low dose amount of Vitex that was being worked with to increase breast milk or chest milk production, milk production in lactation. So that is something that's possible that's been shown in a study. Also, it has been shown to be supportive for hyperprolactinemia, which I mentioned before, but there are studies that show that this is true. So it the way that it works is that it inhibits prolactin secretion by binding to dopamine receptors in the pituitary gland. So it's at the level of the brain that it, there's a binding of dopamine. It's dopaminergic, meaning that it's binding to dopamine receptors, encouraging the dopamine response, which then inhibits prolactin production. Okay, so that's how it's decreasing the prolactin. You don't necessarily need to know this, but if you're a nerd, then listen on. This can also be helpful for things like corpus luteum deficiency, right? So decreasing the prolactin increases the progesterone. It just basically is supporting this whole functioning system. Now, supporting corpus luteum deficiency, which is something that maybe infertility you may be wanting to encourage and support, there are associated symptoms with that that this might reduce. So things like you're menstruating too many times, which is like polymenorrhea, Things like infertility, obviously, things like you're not ovulating consistently, things like oligomenorrhea, meaning that you're only you're having really elongated cycles, like you're only cycling every so often, not regularly, or even excess bleeding. So these kinds of things, decreasing the prolactin in a state of hyperprolactinemia may be helpful for. Okay, and that's in the studies. There was a small trial in Iran that explored Vitex for sexual dysfunction for four months. So that would be sexual dysfunction is an interesting term, but basically it was shown to increase sexual desire, arousal, and even lubrication, like reducing vaginal dryness, enhancing orgasms, enhancing satisfaction, and there were better pain scores. And that was found to be more effective than the controls. So that's really interesting. And that was within a four-month period. And so this is a question, you know, like, is there a capacity? Is part of that because it's encouraging ovulation? Is part of that because there might be a phytoestrogenic potential in there? Like, there's reasons we don't necessarily know, but it seems that clinically in Iran, it was a small study, but they did show that within four months, Vitex did support some of this in women and folks with wombs or ovaries. Also, there are studies that have shown, this is actually really interesting and different, <laughs> that 
There are some studies that have shown that Vitex may have a role to play in several autoimmune diseases because it can reduce symptoms that are commonly linked to higher prolactin levels. So this is something that I haven't seen talked about anywhere else except in the literature, but it's something that, you know, maybe you could bring to your doctor, maybe you can explore this, you know, some of these autoimmune conditions, there's not a lot of clear pathways to optimizing health. So this may be something to explore if this is you. So higher prolactin levels are associated with things like systemic lupus erythematosus, which is lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, and Sjogren's, and possibly juvenile arthritis. So this is interesting. I have no personal experience with this. I got it from the literature. I find it interesting to consider that because these are associated with higher prolactin levels, decreasing those prolactin levels may, what they found in the study is actually that it decreased some of the symptoms of these autoimmune conditions, very specific ones. It's not like all autoimmune conditions. It's just specifically the ones that have a relationship with prolactin. So that's something to consider. Also, studies showed that Vitex could possibly help be helpful for sleep disorders. So this is based on a trial measuring melatonin secretion. So somehow, in some way, Vitex has a capacity to enhance melatonin secretion. I don't know all of the biochemical workings of that. It's just something that I found in a study. Of course, go check out the references if you want to. Also, something just to mention and that I think I should really clear up is that in a lot of herbal texts in the past, you will see in a lot of other studies even, you'll see that it used to be thought that Vitex increased luteinizing hormone, which is LH, but that is not actually borne out in the studies. That was based on like a study from the 50s or 60s or something like that. I think it was on guinea pigs. And they were just assuming that it was increasing the LH because it was encouraging ovulation. It's very interesting. And that has been perpetuated, even in books that you will find that are more recently published because it was just like such common knowledge. It was even put into pamphlets in Vitex products in Germany, you know, where it's commonly used. So it's very perpetuated, but it's a myth. And so used to be thought to increase LH, luteinizing hormone, but studies have shown that it's actually working, like I mentioned before, by dopaminergic activity, which is inhibiting the prolactin secretion from the anterior pituitary, which indirectly increases progesterone secretion and encourages the ovulation process. So that is important, especially because there are places that you will see not to use Vitex because it may increase LH, but it does not seem to be the case that that is true. Also, in another study, Vitex was shown to stimulate progesterone receptor expression, which actually this is another thing that I find really interesting, showing the normalizing of progesterone levels by three months of use. But something I find interesting is that that our cells have receptors and they will put more out or less out, just depending on the state of the body. And so something that is possible is that Vitex may be stimulating some of the progesterone receptors to be expressed so that the circulating progesterone may be able to bind to those receptors. That I find really neat and cool. I'm sure more studies need to be done, but that was interesting. And also, another thing that's interesting to learn about is that Vitex extracts have been shown to bind to some opiate receptors. And this, of course, might play a role in PMS symptoms, so decreasing some of the pain and some of the like discomfort and some of the psychological and also physical symptoms. Maybe also one way that Vitex reduces anxiety or food cravings, etc. So that's super interesting. That's something that is being explored more and more. Of course, like I said, if you're interested in any of that, you can go and check out the references on the show notes page. Okay, so a couple more things before we complete this epically long episode (laughs) on Vitex, because clearly Vitex is such a star for hormonal health, which is why this is just so full of actions and uses and understanding, right? So the way that I like to work with Vitex, like how I think about working with Vitex is actually that Vitex is kind of working out the kinks. And so we might work with Vitex in the short term, typically. I mean, sometimes we might work long term, but typically it's like working in the short term, three, six, nine months maybe, depending on what somebody has going on. And at that same time, be working on the foundation, the foundational pillars of hormonal health so that when Vitex is supporting the body to remember healthy rhythms and healthy hormones – 
that we're also working on those root level causes of imbalance in the first place, right? And so for some people, they may need to work with Vitex on a longer term, but a lot of times you can remove the Vitex eventually and just be working at that that deeper level and supporting the body to optimize its own, own hormonal function and just maintain this memory of healthy cycles over time or, you know, healthy hormones. That's the way I like to work with Vitex. Just want to put that out there. Now, before we end, I want to just speak about side effects and cautions, which I have definitely peppered throughout this entire episode because I didn't want you to miss those in case you didn't listen to the whole thing because I know (laughs) these are long episodes. But things that we need to consider are not using Vitex in pregnancy unless you're working with a healthcare specialist or somebody who specializes in infertility, the prevention of miscarriage, or their uh, pregnancy healthcare provider. Really, there are no adverse events that have been reported regarding Vitex use in pregnancy, but there's really there's no long-term studies on pregnancy outcomes. And because Vitex does have such a hormonal impact on the body, it typically is something we wouldn't want to incorporate into pregnancy. That said, yes, there are exceptions. Then you want to avoid typically. Now, there are some studies that show that it might be fine, but typically we consider avoiding Vitex with hormonal birth control because it could affect the efficacy of the birth control. It could, there's a potential that it could encourage ovulation. Some people also say not to work with Vitex when you are using hormonal replacement therapy. That kind of makes sense too. There's like just a lot of hormonal activity happening with Vitex. So not working with it when there's other hormones, you know, just because we don't know what's going to happen might be prudent. Another thing is to avoid If there's excessive breast milk production, breast or chest milk production, right, you may not even want to be working with it in postpartum like we talked about before. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Also, only work with Vitex when you're using assisted fertility therapies under the guidance of a qualified professional, like somebody who has worked with Vitex and also worked with assisted reproductive technology, technologies, IVF, et cetera, it can have impact and it might not be something that is beneficial. So definitely work with somebody who knows what they're doing in relation to that. Other side effects. So Vitex is generally well tolerated as an herb, but like I said, there is the potential for it to increase depressive symptoms in some people. You want to check out for that. There is the potential for it to shorten or lengthen cycles and just not normalize after three months. You know, give it a few months. But if it does seem like it's just keeping your cycles wonky, then it might not be the right herb for you. Other side effects that are possible include things like headaches, mild nausea, GI disturbances, and maybe skin reactions. And all of those typically have to do with some kind of the hormones that are happening in your body, like the shifting of the hormones. And then there is also a possibility that you might experience a change in your libido, whether that's increased interest or decreased interest in sexual activity. And so, you know, if it's decreasing your libido in a way that doesn't feel good, it might not be the right herbal ally for you. So these are all the things. Like I said before, yes, maybe it does increase depressive symptoms in some people. It's like a handful of people out of hundreds or thousands. So yeah, look out for that. But Vitex also has the potential to alleviate depression and to work with PMDD. So I think there's just a lot of different potential. There's so much that's unknown about how Vitex really works in the body, even though over time, you know, the scientific studies have been showing a lot of how how it does work. There's also a lot that's unknown. And there's a lot of those paradoxical, like, oh, it does this and it does this. And they seem like opposite effects. So it's confusing. But the moral of the story is that Vitex has so much potential to support your body, other people's bodies hormonally. You can go back, you can re-listen, listen to all the ways, all the reasons that you might explore that. And it, in the end, it is all about what's going on in your body. What is the herb? How does this herb interact with you? Like, what are you noticing? If you start to incorporate Vitex, what are you noticing? Is it beneficial or is it not? Vitex may be a perfect ally for you or may not be the right ally for you. So in the end, it's all about that deep listening, that deep knowing of your own cycle. I think cycle tracking is really important. Whenever you're bringing in herbs to support your menstrual, hormonal, or sexual health, I think it's really important to be cycle tracking so that you can end also symptom tracking as you're cycle tracking. So you're not just, I mean, you do want to track your ovulation and your 
temperatures, especially post-ovulation, to check your luteal phase. But you also really want to be exploring your symptoms and your symptom picture as over the course of months to see how things are changing, right? This is all a part of the whole picture. And in the end, it really is all about listening to your body and receiving the wisdom that is already inside you and working with plants that have the potential to encourage more optimal experience inside your body so that you can become who you have the potential to be. That is so what it's all about. Okay, I am going to end this very long episode of me monologuing about this incredible Vitex plant. I really encourage you to go check out, if you haven't seen Vitex before, to go to the show notes page, herbalwomb.com forward slash episode 54 to check out what Vitex looks like. See the beautiful shrub, small tree that Vitex is. And if you live in a place where you can grow Vitex, I highly recommend, even if Vitex doesn't feel like a plant that you need in your life medicinally, maybe a plant that would be supportive for somebody else that you know, and or it's just a wonderful plant to have living around you. One thing I didn't mention, and I guess I'm going to mention it now, is that Vitex over the years has been considered to be, like, especially in the folk traditions, basically like just a generalized reproductive, the, almost like in quotes, the generalized like reproductive herb for women or folks with wombs over the course of centuries and thousands and millennia. And so really thinking about like cultivating a relation, especially in the Mediterranean region, but like really thinking about cultivating a relationship with this plant that especially if you have ancestors who were in the Mediterranean region might be a really deep rooted relationship that your ancestral lineage, your womb lineage worked with. And even so, there's a lot of trade that happened. So kind of no matter where you were in the world, there's a possibility that Vitex was incorporated in one way or another. Anyway, I just think that's a beautiful thing to start to connect with plants in that way. If you feel called to that, of course, no pressure. But I am very much about connecting with the plant, the plants themselves, and also with your own body. So I hope you enjoyed this. If you received something from this and you want to share it with somebody, if you know somebody who would love it, who's a super plant nerd, who wants to learn about Vitex, who you think might benefit from learning about Vitex, then definitely share it with them. Like always, you can share that in a DM. You can share that in a text message. You can share it publicly on social media. And you can always tag me at Herbal Womb Wisdom if you'd like to. And if you're still here, I think you might actually be interested in the Sacred Pelvic Health Summit that's coming up at the end of March, which I mentioned earlier in the episode. There is, like I said, a discount code that is only good through this Saturday, February 4th, and it is early bird in all caps. And you can find the links to register if you're interested in that, either in the description or on the show notes page, and that will be there for you. I would love to experience this with you. I really do think it's going to be a special experience. I mean, I'll be teaching a little bit about, you know, herbal foundations, really kind of relevant to this podcast episode, herbal foundations of hormonal health. And I'm going to give, I'm going to actually have some kind of handout that gives some basics there so that people can take that with them, take that home with them, basically. And maybe even a little bit of experiential something or other to kind of like tune into our hormonal body. I might do a little something like that. And then I know that. Alisa Starkweather is just, I honestly, she's just a really amazing human. I've been with her in actual physical space while she's holding space. And she used to put on something called the Belly and Womb Conference in Western Massachusetts, which is really special and really was probably one of the biggest catalysts for me in starting to understand the power, the potency of my womb space. Yeah, I think it really was because the first time I went was in 2008, I think. And it may have been a big catalyst of like why I am who I am now. So Elisa Starkweather is amazing and I just can't wait to experience her session. And then Rosita Arvigo is also incredible. And she is actually the founder, if you don't know her, of Maya Abdominal Massage, that whole training that a lot of people go through, a lot of people practice. She's going to be talking about like the position of the womb and some of the anatomy and physiology of the the pelvis itself so that you can really get to know your own womb and your own pelvis. Like this is going to be good stuff. So if you're interested, definitely go check it out. Like I said, you can find the link in the description or on the show notes page. All right. That is more than enough for today. I hope that this has landed well for you and that you've enjoyed it. And until next week, live well, connect deeply, and have a beautiful rest of your day.